The word of God for the people of God. So today, um, we have been on quite the scriptural journey, and we're only halfway through the service. So we started with Exodus, we moved on to the Psalm, and we um, went into the Gospel. Three very different readings. I don't know about you all, but when I try and figure out what, um, when I hear a scripture read in church, and there's a sermon to follow it, Something that I always think to myself is, how is the sermon going to connect with the scriptures? What are they going to make of these, um, these collections of scripture? And today, if you, are, um, if you do the same thing that I do, it might be a little bit difficult to figure out what I'm going to try and do with these three very unique scriptures. Today, we have read these three different narratives coming from different social locations and different moments in history. And we can see together, or what I will hopefully convince you that we can see, is that together we can see that each of them demonstrate a piece of God's evolution. And how God's evolution always involves mercy and a radical opening of doors. So the first thing that you heard this morning when you came when I came up was a reading from the book of Exodus. And in this passage, God is talking to Moses and probably, if we're being honest, yelling at Moses. Judging by the content, we know that God was angry here. He was, God was angry because God's people were being selfish and they were being stubborn and they were worshiping false idols. And God didn't like that. God's anger, it turns into wrath, and God tells Moses that God will essentially wipe out the people doing these things, worshiping these idols. Eventually, we read on and we read that Moses sort of rationalizes with God a little bit here, saying that, that God doesn't need to, to do that. God doesn't need to destroy God's people. The passage says, and God changed God's mind about the disaster that God planned to bring on God's people. Moses was reminding God of the ever-changing nature of the universe and God's role in opening doors for us so that we can make that change too. And God listened to Moses because God cares about God's people. This Exodus passage, it stood out to me because it shows God's willingness to listen to God's people. And also, God's ability to change around the chaos that is surrounding us at any given time. God's being itself goes beyond time, and God also recognizes God's role within time, amidst us. And so this push and this pull allows for us to see God's evolution happening at the same time as the evolution of God's people. So go ahead and hold that story, that really deep story, um, with you as we go on to our second scripture today. This beautiful story from, from Psalm 51 is actually stemming from an interesting interaction between Nathan and the psalmist David. And that's a different conversation that will go into a different time, but it's a very interesting conversation. There's some tension in the room when this conversation happens in the psalm. So Nathan is coming to David, and David is asking for help. 
David is pleading to God because he messed up in a pretty significant way. And so the psalm itself is a response to that pleading, a prayer for God to work with David and allow him to live and to change and to evolve. I'm going to read you a piece of this psalm again, and I want you to imagine this psalm as another evolution of God's people, another instance of God opening doors for us. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being, therefore teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, the psalmist says, and put a new and right spirit within me. Like the interaction between Moses and God in Exodus, there's a movement happening here in the psalm, a shift. God and God's people are acknowledging a space that used to be something evolved into something completely different. God is showing up and surprising David, a man who had gone against God, and is expecting God to punish him, maybe like God wanted to do in the Exodus passage. But God doesn't do that. The, um, the Greek term for sin that's used here is actually translated more um, as a turning away. So when we think of sin in this passage and maybe in others as well, we can think of we can think of this turning away, um, not to mean forever lost or completely devoid of another chance. There's there's second chances and there's grace involved in this kind of sin that's mentioned. And so God meets David with forgiveness, with an opportunity to come back to God. We can think of the psalm as another opening of doors, a door of David's own making. And God's response here, as God opens this door for all of us, is one of forgiveness and of grace and of recreation and of newness. Finally, our last scripture from the gospel. This passage from Luke is a recollection of Jesus talking to those who were gathered. And this is kind of a tough crowd, we, we realize. Already before Jesus even starts talking, Jesus is seen as a joke. Someone who doesn't understand. Someone completely ignorant with his countercultural views of the world. These people that are listening to Jesus, they point out that he eats with sinners. And Jesus, in his response, tells these two stories. First, he tells of the sheep. And many of us have probably heard these two pretty popular parables. He tells of the 100 sheep. And Jesus illustrates that we are to care about the one lost sheep, even when the other 99 are comfortably sitting down in their fields or in their pews, perhaps whatever you'd like to imagine the sense of comfort as. And then the second story is similar in the theme. This woman has ten coins, but one gets lost. And sure, there are nine perfectly safe coins out there, but that tenth one, the one that is lost, 
that's the one that the woman goes out looking for. Both of these parables are so full of movement and follows really that theme of progression. If we picture ourselves in these parables, we often are the 99 sheep. The fact that we're in here today means that we are probably all one of the 99 sheep. And we are the nine coins. We are seated comfortably in the same spot, a spot where perhaps our parent or our guide or our God knows where we are. But God, we learn, is not any more concerned with us because we might be following the pattern of where we maybe have ought to be in the past. God cares about all of us the same, the 99 and the one who is out somewhere else. This story, it continues the theme of open doors. And Jesus is teaching us about the value of the ones that we cannot see. The ones who are left the ones we consider lost, the ones with a tough history with the church, or the ones who were shoved out by our ancestors. I challenge you to question, why would those lost sheep or that, that tenth coin, why would they just hang out in this place with all of the trauma that might reside in it for them? God is showing us through the character of Jesus that God's progression needs to align with our own progression. That through his illustration, Jesus is shifting us yet again from past to present to future. And this shifting from God in the Exodus to God leading God's people to forgiveness in the psalm to now this instance of seeing holiness and humanity from Luke we see God opening doors. These doors, they were placed here by us, and they've made their way into our systems, into our churches over and over, until they've become comfortable there, and they stay there, the doors closed. What God is teaching us is not a simple or a quick or an easy lesson, but rather it's a lesson we learn when we interrogate God's timeline when we look at the ways God has shifted with God's people throughout history. And when we interrogate and think through what has never changed about God from beginning to end. In Exodus, we see God changing God's mind through a conversation with Moses. And God shifts from an angry, wrathful God to a God that shows grace and forgiveness and compassion to God's people. And as time continued, God's opening of doors is granted to the hearers of David's psalm. And God's opening of doors is granted to us, both the 99 and the times that we may identify with the one lone sheep. This active, alive, and progressing opening of doors throughout our history it aligns itself if we do it right to the future of the kingdom of God, to the future of the church. We can see that we need change. We need evolution. We need God to go on this journey with us so that we can learn the doors that we've put up over our history. 
this week in the, the flock note, I recommended this Queer Eye episode for y'all to watch the first 10 minutes of. Um, and if you haven't seen this scene that I'm describing to you, uh, you should watch it later because my retelling is nowhere near as powerful, but I'm going to do my best. Can you raise your hand if you've heard of the show Queer Eye? Know the premise of it? Okay, so the premise of the show is that five gay men go into a space and meet with a person and sort of do this mind-body-spirit makeover on their life and teach them about their worthiness and how loved they are and teach them about their community that supports them, all of this sort of thing. It's a very feel-good show. You'll cry watching it. You'll laugh. It's wonderful. I recommend it. But there's a specific episode, and it's the, the first episode of season two, where we learn that the assignment for the five gay men, the person that they're going to be working with, um, is actually a pretty renowned member of one of the churches um, in their area. And so their assignment is to make over a church community center. They, they go on a tour of of the, the space at the very beginning so they know what they have to work with. And as they're touring at the beginning of the episode, they move to go see the church sanctuary itself. And as the men file in the doors of the sanctuary, one that looks very similar to our doors, we see four of the five go in. And one of them does not go in. One is left behind, one is left out. Does that sound familiar? from anything we've read this morning. And so we see Bobby, a gay man, unable to walk in the doors of the church. If you are part of the LGBTQIA community or another marginalized community and you're watching this episode, you'd need no further explanation for Bobby's actions. Because Bobby was clearly experiencing some spiritual trauma because of past experiences with churches that may not have been this church, but were like, they were very similar in, in what they did. It didn't matter how welcoming the church was. It didn't matter how kind the people were. It didn't even matter that there was no pastor up here preaching something that might have triggered him in his childhood. Sometimes our building itself can be enough to leave people outside of the doors. Sometimes the doors that past versions of church have put up have stayed up for so long that the wood of the doors still stands just as strongly as it did when the door was built in the first place. For us to be a successful neighborhood church, for us to be the church in our interactions, we need to take inventory of the ways that even our physical building may be a deterrence from people being part of a faith community. We need to take inventory of the history of our timeline and how God has worked through it to transform the ways that we have always known things to be. It is our job, church, to to stand on the brink of a new chapter in God's timeline, to see where we have come, and honestly look at the places where we still are finding ourselves in the same spots, in the spaces <clears throat> where we have not let God's evolution continue to change and move and evolve. 
even if our doors are open to all people. Our job is to also own up to the history we have of causing spiritual trauma. Unless we do that, our churches remain the same and our doors stay closed. We are all a part of the evolution of God, and that is the good news. You are an active participant in God's story of grace. Today, I want to challenge you to ask where your doors or our doors are not open. Where are we missing the point? Where are we keeping doors up as a blockade to newness and life and inclusion? And where do we still need to tear down the doors of our own making? Open doors is a process. And God teaches us throughout God's history over time that it's an evolution. So even if our doors were decided to be open then, it's a constant re-evaluation to make sure that they are still open now. We, beloved children of God, we are called to radically invite and to radically celebrate all of God's children. Whether they worship like we do, or whether they, like Bobby, cannot even say the word church without being triggered. Whether they speak our language, our Christianese language, whether they value the same type of music or the same meaning of church, or whether they see God in a coffee shop or a gay bar. If our doors are truly open, it means that we are truly open. Open to God and God's progression that God is leading us in. So friends, I close with this. As we leave this place, may we leave with the encouragement that we belong. May we be honest about the doors that are not yet open. And may we take our authority as children of God to create space where the doors are no more and where all are welcomed in. Let us pray. God of the universe, you create in us a clean heart. You show us what it is like to evolve and grow according to your will. Challenge us to evolve alongside the changing nature of our church, that we might bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. In your precious name we pray. Amen. <laughs>